Hey guys, if you're like me and you're not so great at planning ahead, you have to try Hotel Tonight. Have you heard of Hotel Tonight, Amanda? I have actually. You told me about it. I have well, it on my phone because of you. Yeah, that's because it's a great app that helps you find amazing hotel deals the last minute up to seven days in advance. I think we were talking about it because I was thinking about indulging in a little staycation. Uh, but you could also use it for a spontaneous getaway. You know, if you're in California, go up the coast, wherever you want. Go to Mexico for all for all I know. All it takes is 10 seconds, just three taps and a swipe. So what are you waiting for? Get in on these killer last minute deals and download the Hotel Tonight app now. Welcome to Jam Session. It's a Thursday edition. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. We got some hot topics to discuss. We're going to be like a rapid fire lightning round of Jam Session interests. We are. Should we? We'll do the lineup now. Yes. Okay. Great idea. So we're going to start with a jam session favorite, The Rock. He's yes, been in the, the news a lot lately. Obviously, I mean, he's always in the news, but um, that's one of the reasons he's so great. Exactly. And then we are going to talk about uh, a young man from Canada named Justin Bieber, uh, <laughs> who did not go to Spanish class. No. Um, and then. Jam session favorite celebrity real estate Ellen Pompeo hit architectural Shout out to digest. Her. She's yeah. got a tight relationship with her uh, architect slash interior designer. Can't wait to discuss it. <laughs> She's living really well. Uh, after that, we're also going to talk about Felicity, the television show. Uh, we we have to deal briefly with Taylor Swift, but we'll keep it brief. And then our the one things that we can't stop thinking about. It's I'm, a, I honestly am like can't wait to discuss mine. So. Um, you were on vacation. It might have slipped past you. Who okay. knows? I can't wait. Um, I this just is can't very wait. exciting. This is very exciting. Uh, first, let's talk about The Rock. Yeah. So I, it's been quite a month for The Rock. Yes, he is obviously in Baywatch, which we'll come back to. But I want to start with the uh, piece that he did for GQ. He was on the cover of GQ. And friend of the podcast, Katie Weaver, uh, wrote a great profile of him. Um, that included a whole section about The Rock talking pretty earnestly about how he would consider running for president. So that has introduced a new timeline of The Rock as a future presidential candidate, which is interesting. Um, but I wanted to talk about his kind of this profile and his press tour generally, because The Rock is really good at being a celebrity. Really um, good at it. He's really, really good at it. The profile is insanely charming. Yeah. Um, I think in part because he is a charming guy and he seems to have made it his job to uh, be engaged and connect with everyone and be a really good celebrity. Like he's identified that as a way to success. And yeah, he's like a um, consensus builder. Yes, exactly. Which is maybe why he's going to run for president, which we can talk about later. Sure. But, um, so he's very charming in this profile. And then on Twitter, he has just been... And I, he's always this way. He like tweets a lot. He tweets too much. I can't follow him. I don't know whether you do. But, I don't either. Yeah, no. it's. I, I I try to keep it to four hundred or less. In between, like following is um, my favorite White House reporters now, and a lot of NBA people. It's just not a lot of room for the Rock. How <laughs> often are you changing in and out of followers? By the way, um, not that often. But like when the, when I want to add someone new, someone's got to go. Do so. Are you unfollowing the person yeah. that goes, or are you muting them? No, I unfollow. You don't mute at all. No, oh no, I mute too. But only for people who like, I feel like it would be offensive. They would be offended yeah. if I unfollowed them. And it's just not worth the not worth the headache. So that's just a mute. <laughs> no, I agree. I do that too. I, f I have found myself muting a lot lately. Um, but I, I I'm usually not brave enough to the unfollow. Anyway, 
The Rock tweets too much for me. If you tweet more than like six times a day, like I probably don't follow you. Just an FYI. Yeah, um, agreed. But he has been like he retweets fans. He did a very charming thing after the profile came out where he retweeted all the praise of the profile and like added the writer Katie Weaver. And he went on like a talk show and sh- shouted her out. He just kind of really he retweeted um, the piece that um, Shay Serrano and Kate Nibs wrote. Yeah, this week he's really just like he has his followers. He believes in them. He reads the comments. He wants to hear your comments. Yeah, he's super it's like, involved. And it's also it seems pretty authentic. It does. I, I the profile's interesting because it's definitely a choice and a performance that he's doing, but it seems like an authentic performance. Like he doesn't know how to be anything other than this person who thinks really hard about uh, making sure everyone's included. Yeah, uh, and yeah, being totally. really sincere, which is you know not how I enter the world, but that's because I'm a bad person and the rock seems generally really nice. <laughs> So that's kind of one of the reasons why his alleged feud with Vin Diesel is so intriguing because he's just not known as a fighter. Like, who are his enemies? Like, who who is he against other than Vin Diesel? Well, here's the thing is that I've always interpreted that as everyone against Vin Diesel. Mm, yeah. Like, in the most recent, it was Fast 8. Yeah. In Fast 8, it's not just that The Rock and Vin Diesel won't be in a scene together. It's that, like, Vin Diesel is in, is not in a scene with any of the other cast members for the whole movie. Like, it's very right. clear that, like, no one wants to be around him or maybe that he doesn't want to be around anyone. But yeah, it's like on The Good Wife when um, Kalinda was just ended up in, like, a different city, essentially, from everyone else because clearly no one wanted to be in a scene with her or there was just too much beef or something. It's a very similar situation. Was it really Kalinda who ended up being the problem child in that one? Um, it's really hard to tell because they will not talk about it. And I, it's like it's like the main Hollywood story that I want to read about, which is, like, what the fuck happened between Juliana Margulies and... Um, Archie Punjabi, but I guess because she was not the good wife, Archie Punjabi got like sidelined and like was literally like just like on these like goose chases for two seasons of the show. It was yes. pretty bizarre. That I remember. I just always thought that it was definitely, I, I, and I don't know why I thought this, but my understanding was always that it was Juliana Margulies who was like, I won't be in a scene with her. Um, Is that wrong? Is that I, just me projecting? I think that I think that was like the rumor. But that doesn't mean that Archie Punjabi didn't do something to deserve it. So didn't, wasn't there also a time when Archie Punjabi like t- tweeted something, some sort of comment on the feud? Yeah, yeah. That was like I was there that made it seem like she had been exiled. Yeah, and in their in her final scene, there's a goodbye between Alicia and Kalinda, and it was it became clear that they didn't they weren't ever filming together. Um, and Archie Punjabi took to Twitter to weigh in to like refute some of the claims or whatever. But she definitely was not like putting forth the company line. Anyway, that's a good, that's a digression for another time. Back to The Rock. Okay. So anyway, The Rock. Extremely likable, engaged celebrity. He seems to have figured out exactly how social media works, how to kind of be a major, major celebrity, very famous in this moment without totally screwing up as like some of the other people who are going to be featured on this podcast later um, can't really f- figure out. <laughs> Um, And I'm genuinely impressed by that. I think he's very good at it. But so here's what I wanted to talk to you about. That did not help Baywatch at all. At all. Although I did see it. Just want you to know. I know. And we'll talk about um, his performance in it and how you Uh felt about it. How did you think he was in Baywatch? Um, Like, fine. Okay. I I actually was doing an inventory. I was like, how many of The Rock's movies have I seen? And like very, very few. I like him as a celebrity and I'm just not interested in his movies. So I'm kind of the opposite of the rest of the world where like I they like 
obviously eat up all of his movies. And so like, I thought he was fine. I don't know. Like I'm definitely into uh, Zac Efron. So that was like, you know, watching them together was more fun than watching either of them separate. Basically, like I, they should do a buddy cop movie together. They, this, this, they should turn Baywatch into just like a buddy cop franchise of Zac Efron. So they have a good chemistry, but the film did not serve their chemistry. Yes. Is the Julia review. That's a that's a great way of putting it. Okay. Um, also, like at one point, The Rock is um, spoiler. I know everyone's dying to see Baywatch. At one point, he like loses his job and he's working as like a, a, a phone salesman at a Sprint store. First of all, I like to think The Rock would go for Verizon or AT&T and not Sprint. Okay. And second well, of all, it's probably who they got for product placement. <laughs> but anyway, great point. Um, I don't like to think of The Rock as like a regular guy. You know what I mean? Like. And so when they took him out of the sort of like super lifeguard, like watches over everyone, I was just like, well, this isn't fun. Who wants to see The Rock be like some regular Joe Schmo selling a phone? So that was like a bad look. And that's like part of, I think, his appeal is that he is like so um, uh, extraordinary, but like manages to, to seem normal on Twitter, which is like part of what he does yeah. so well. He's also a really happy guy and you don't yeah. want to see The Rock sad. I think oh. there's there's a line in the, the GQ piece by Katie that says like, there's a scene in Baywatch where he just looks confused and sad and you like can't take your eyes away because it's the saddest thing you've ever seen to see this like cheerful giant teddy bear of a man deflated. Right. Um, That's very true. Okay. So it doesn't use the rock that well. That's fine. Yeah. That said, many movies that have used their movie stars or, you know, the resources at hand far worse uh, have made a lot more money than Baywatch. And I just think I'm really interested. I am interested in the fact that I think Rocket, The Rock is kind of one of the most famous people working in movies currently, if you think about the number of audiences that he reaches mm-hmm. um, from wrestling, from TV, from people like you who actually don't really care about any of his other movies. Yeah. Um, he's been extremely bankable at um, in movies thus far, but this one seemed very much based on like his appeal as a celebrity, and it did not work. And I'm kind of like, if The Rock cannot sell a movie, I, I honestly don't know, can any movie star sell a movie anymore? I think this is really, really fascinating. I don't know what the right strategy is. I don't really either. Um, although I, I, I don't, I, I think that the movie itself just would have done better if they had uh, played it a lot more true to the show and like made it like a lot campier. Like they should have made it like a camp classic and instead it was like, trying to appeal to so many people, I guess. I don't know. It was really weird. I also thought that, like, some of the casting um, was, like, interesting. Like, Priyanka Chopra as the villain um, seems, like, tailored for international audiences just because she's more famous outside Mm -hmm. of America. Um, And, like, while that makes sense with, like, a lot of movies, like, do you need, like, a do you need a base in some way that is, like, but passionate about it in America. I don't know, which is like sells her short because she is she's actually pretty good in it. And like she's, you know, very hot, which is one of the qualifications for being in this movie. But I don't know. It just it just seemed like there was a lot of like cynical forces and weird editing in the mix that maybe just couldn't couldn't be stripped away. But I mean, that it doesn't really answer your question. I, I don't know what it takes yeah. for the rock to sell a movie. Um, it's also just kind of weird, like coming off of Moana. Um, he's so popular. Although that kind of makes me think like a lot of his movies that are really popular are like family movies, right? Like the tooth fairy. Well, they're either family movies or they're giant franchises like fast and the furious franchise or in San Andreas did well, didn't it? Even though it was like, yeah, it made a, I think 54 million opening weekend, according to the stats I'm looking at. And maybe it's Zephron's fault. 
I think it's probably that Baywatch is not strong strong enough of a franchise, mm. and that mm. franchises top celebrity now, even if it's The Rock. But they made know, a lot of weird choices too, like just in terms of if, if it is a strong brand. It had very little to do with the show, and like I was really into the show as a child. I was I would like rush home from school to watch it, and like the corniness and campiness of it, like was was effective back then. I think it would have been effective now. They should have like they should have gone with that. Maybe yeah. that, maybe that wouldn't translate internationally. Though I think honestly, it, the quality doesn't matter here. You know, like yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean, the fifth Pirates of the Caribbean movie made seventy eight million dollars, starring Johnny Depp. So uh, honestly, it's not ex- you can't explain anything other than people recognize the name. And I guess Pirates is more famous than Baywatch. Yeah. But this to me is sort of the definitive. If if The Rock can't sell something, then I honestly, I don't know what movie. God help left. us. Yeah, I I really honestly sort of think that this is the movie star is officially over, which is depressing because I like movie stars and I like The Rock. Me too. Uh, but I, it's a great point. You know, maybe he'll just run for president. Um, I just want to say I hope that doesn't happen, but sure. I do like I do like The Rock very much. I think we I, I agree with you. I was about to say I think we all agree and I really cannot say that anymore in 2017. But jam session <laughs> opinion. The Rock is great. Uh, maybe not for president. Yeah, not for president. It's for, just for anything for anything else. Whatever. Yeah. But so he's been responding to people. They're responding to critics, right? Who've yeah, been that's the, the movie. only, that's the one false note. Yeah. He was doing Come a on, great job. But then the movie got a 19% on Rotten Tomatoes and he took it personally. I will say, having seen it, 19 is a little low. I would have put it at like 35. Well, it's, it's not <laughs> like, I mean, this is sort of the problem with Rotten Tomatoes, right? It's not like someone went to a movie theater and said, I give it 19 out of 100. That's a... You know, it's an average of the number of positive right. reviews versus negative reviews. Right. And it, you even gave it a negative review. So yeah, it's true. you would probably be a not fresh on Rotten I considered Tomatoes. Leaving, I considered leaving before it was over, but that I, I had um, pledged that I would see it for work. So I, that felt too irresponsible. But I really thought about it. I just want you to know. How many minutes into the movie did you think about leaving? Like 35. Okay. I was like, I have I have another hour and a half to go here. I don't know if I can make it. Oh, I was, God. It, also, I was like, I just come from working out, so I was really dirty, and I was then I was getting cold because I was like wet. Oh, yeah. I wanted to go That's home. That's really tough. <laughs> Too much information. Sorry. No, I had one of those moments during Guardians of the Galaxy 2, but then I just took a nap for 30 minutes nice. in the middle. and then I love a movie nap. Uh, you do love a movie nap. You always fall asleep in movies, right? I do. I always do. I, I unfortunately didn't fall asleep during Baywatch. I was right, too right. locked in. Anyway, The Rock. Here, the I'm going to read the tweets. Yeah. Oh boy, critics had their venom and knives ready. And then the crying, smiling, laughing emoji. Fans love the movie. Huge positive scores. Big disconnects with critics and people. Which, I don't know, man. I, maybe that's true, but it, there weren't enough people in the movie theaters to have a big disconnect. Like you just didn't sell, <laughs> you didn't sell enough tickets for there to be a giant disconnect, sir. And this is also a bad move. This is the first because he's selling positivity and sunshine, and uh, I will save you from all the bad things in the world, even Donald Trump, which is probably how he would run for office. But uh, to suddenly be whining, I know. bad that's luck. not the brand we all fell in love with. Never whine about the critics. Stay above the haters. That goes for celebrities and normal people alike. Just some advice from me to you. Okay. Um, I, I, I hope that I hope the Rock listens to Jam. <laughs> I do too, actually. I would honestly, I'd be so excited if he like, tweeted out Jam Session. Maybe I'll tweet it at him. It would be great. Uh, anyway, I wish him well. Um, someone else that I used to wish well, but I'm not sure anymore. Yeah, Justin Bieber. 
When was the last time you wished Justin Bieber well? Um, probably the year 2011. Okay. What like was happening the, in Bieber 2011? It's all like, blurring together for me. He was, um, it was like a year, it was like following his movie when he was like really coming up and he seemed kind of sweet. So it okay. was like, it was the, it was the never say never era. Okay. I will never say never. Yeah. Sure. It's like, it's like when him and Usher performed at the Grammys together. I really yes. enjoyed that. Sure. That was 2011. That yeah. was the last time I wished well for Justin okay. Bieber. I think the last time I wished Justin Bieber well was possibly the Jingle Ball in 2000. Mm. I've talked about this Jingle Ball many times. Very formative <laughs> Jingle Ball for me. Yeah, apparently. Uh, was it 2011 or 2012 when Taylor and Harry Styles were briefly dating? Um, I believe it was 12. Okay, so I apparently wish Justin Bieber well as late as 2012. That actually um, might have been 13. I think that was 13. Wow. All right. Well, I was holding on. Anyway, very short story. Justin Bieber was the last person at Jingle Ball, and I was there. Um, yeah, that was the boyfriend era, 13. Right. And I was sitting next to like a younger a younger teen who had asked if I would like help her find her mom after the concert because I was the only adult in the area because it's the Jingle Ball and I was happy to do that. So after Justin Bieber finished, the the teen and I were walking out of the concert and then I heard him come back for the encore. And the teen definitely did not care about seeing Justin Bieber's encore, but I, the adult, was like, we need to go back into the stadium and watch Justin Bieber perform Baby and then we can go find your mother. Uh, Baby's a great song. And we did it and it was great. Um, because here's the thing. Justin Bieber is an extremely talented individual who is also a bad person. I, I was going to say bad person and then I was like am I being too hard? I think he no. might I think he's a bad person. I think he's a bad person too. All the evidence points to bad person. Yes. Or or just like spoiled brat on steroids. Like it's just like really the shit that he pulls is like just inexcusable. The, I hate I, it's awful. The like Joffrey from, comparison is old but still apt. Yeah, still still applies. By the way, subscribe to binge mode if you if you want to know about Joffrey. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, so this latest with Bieber, I mean, there's just been so many bad things, but the latest with Bieber is that he was at One Oak, which is a nightclub in La- in New York, as well as in Los Angeles and Las Vegas. And um, <laughs> But he was at the New York version? He was at the New York one. Okay. And uh, Despacito, his, one of his current hits on the radio. It's number one. Lu- nor- number one, featuring, uh, or he's featured on the song by Luis Fonsi and Daddy Yankee, who I had not thought about in a very long time, by the way. Um, And um, his part comes on and he has the mic in his hand and he doesn't know the Spanish. So he just starts singing, ba 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 I don't know the word, so I say Dorito. And the only word he does know is is Paquito, which means small. Um, And it was just a really bad look. Like, just like he seemed like gleefully uninformed and like gleefully ignorant um, and it was just like, Justin, come on, Matt, like, you've been famous for a while. Like, shouldn't you manage yourself a little bit better? A good encapsulation of Justin Bieber to date this video, because he is definitely um, partying and possibly not 100 percent sober and is has been handed a great song, a lot of success and also, you know, can pull it off because he is very talented. It's a great song. You and I both love the song. And yeah, is just it. sitting there being a smug, ungrateful little asshole, um, and insensitive and disrespectful, and it's not cute. I like I don't find this cute at all. I think some people did, and I was just like, "Wow, you're you're garbage. You have not learned anything." Um, <laughs> it's also just like least of all Spanish. Also, my favorite pop stars are the ones who like work hard, 
who like clearly are committed to being a pop star and like being good at music. Yeah, whatever, I agree. That, whatever that means to them. And he doesn't work hard, obviously. Like if so, he would have like learned the song by now. It, it bothers me. I appreciate someone who, if people are trying at anything, whether it's trying to be good at being famous, like The Rock, for example, or trying hard to be a really good pop star, or just trying hard to not be a little shit. But sorry, he is. That's the only way to describe it. He's just so annoying. And this is like the eighth time that we've watched him do this. I know. And it's not going to um, matter. That song's going to be number one all summer long because it's great. Yeah, it really is. And it's great. He's been on it's so many good songs in the last two years. I know. I mean, he's kind of like the secret weapon of 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 pop songs that just put a just you know it's so funny like when's the last time he had his own single that he was the lead on because his hits recently are um i'm the one the dj khaled song which mm-hmm. is very good as well desposito and then he had um the song with uh diplo and right. then the major la- the major laser song right like he just hasn't had his own hit in a while i can't really remember the last one i think it it would be the smash hit sorry which was that was that late two thousand fifteen. That song, by the way, I was listening to it this morning. That song it's great. is perfect. Yeah, it's it's excellent. And then it's excellent. And then also love yourself, which you know Ed Sheeran just handed to him. Why did Ed Sheeran give that one away? Um, I don't know. I think because he wrote it as "fuck yours, go fuck yourself" and didn't didn't want to do it for himself as "love yourself." Yeah, I guess so. That's because he likes being explicit way too much, and it grosses me out all the time. Anyway. <laughs> So someone that's I'm glad you brought the song up, though, because okay. that was always in, in, uh, interpreted to be about Selena Gomez, but probably isn't because Ed Sheeran wrote it. Mm-hmm. But I really like that there was Love Yourself. And now we have Bad Liar from Selena Gomez written by our favorite Julia Michaels, which I just uh, assume is about Justin Bieber. But again, probably is not. Isn't Bad Liar supposed to be about the weekend? Oh, it is. I think so, because first of all, Bad Liar is an unbelievable it's song. A jam. That it's is such just, a jam. It was like you and I both listened to it at the same time and were just freaking out simultaneously, which is very rare. Normally a pop song has to grow on me, but that was just like an instant flames. Totally. Um, Our queen It's really good at Soul Cycle too. When she goes, can we turn reality into actuality? It's like just so great. Really plays. (laughs) I love it. Anyway. um, Yeah, because the whole thing about Bad Liar is that I'm, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying not to think about you, which is a very sane reaction to being in a relationship with The weekend. by the way. Good job, Selena, to have some hesitation. Totally. But yeah, I think it's, that's my understanding of it. Oh, okay. okay. She's moved cool. past Bieber, which is good. Good. Yeah, that is really good for her. I'm, ha- I'm happy for her. Um, yeah, Justin is just not good. Although, like, he's going to be around all summer. I-, I will say, like, his management team, like, to keep getting him on these songs are, like, very smart. Like, I, I am a Scooter Braun fan, and I think he, like, is almost in some ways, like, underestimated because I feel like Carly Rae Jepsen's had a second life with, like, the cool kids. Oh, and, yeah, ongoing. Yeah, totally. She had new songs this week. Yeah, it's a really good one. Um, Justin Bieber, like, cannot be taken down. There's, like, like nothing... I don't know what he could... What he would have to do to, like, no longer be popular. And... um you know, he just is like a very shrewd manager. Shout out to him. Completely agree. Um, okay, moving on. Next topic. This one is really important. This week in Architectural Digest, there's a spread on Ellen Pompeo's Sag Harbor home, which is a renovated guest house. Yet it still has a pool, a lot of gr- a lot of land, um, and like a lovely like open floor plan with a loft bedroom. And uh, no square footage was specified. And I'm just dying 
dying to know what what qualifies the guest house for Ellen Pompeo. So I have some questions about the guest house in relation to the regular house. Right. There is no regular house. Okay. So what happened to the regular house? Um, I don't know. My thought is perhaps she was just calling it a guest house based on its size and assumed it would be such or something. I don't know. It's really weird. It doesn't make any sense. Um, unless it was like some really old property that like, I, I don't know. It's a good, it's a, that's, you've stumped me. I have no solution for that. Okay. I think that this house is definitely a giant house. Yeah. It's really lovely. Sag Harbor is lovely. As you yeah. pointed out, she has homes in Malibu and Sag Harbor, uh-huh. which is just, again, as you pointed out, Grey's Anatomy pays. Yeah, great. So she's been on the show for 13 years. Mm-hmm. Um, she makes like what, like many millions per episode. So she's like really rich. Like this is what network television can get you if you're the, the lead character, if you're the eponymous character. <laughs> um it's pretty amazing. Like this, she she said they basically only go to this house for a couple weeks over the summer and for Thanksgiving. Do you like, think that's you can it. rent it? Yeah, probably. But like, even I don't know. If you're that rich, what's the point of renting your house out? I don't know. It's because you just risk like people fucking things up. You don't need the money. It's not like it's like an income property for you. Yeah, fair enough. I, I don't really get it. And then and she spends most of her time in California. She's like always at Lakers games. Well, I mean, there are a lot of episodes of Grey's, so yeah, she's working in LA. Also, like the kitchen was referred to as small, and it's like larger than probably like ninety percent of the kitchens in New York City. Yeah, so I want to do some design notes here. Okay, I'd like to talk with photo number. Talk about photo number one. Okay, I'm with. I'm there. Ellen Pompeo on the driveway leading to her Sag Harbor property. So (laughs) maybe it was a guest house, and the original house is no longer there, and she just owns the property and whole property and wants to call it a guest house to be quaint. I'm fine with that. It has some nice fuzzy Airbnb vibes if you say guest house. Um, Sure. So Ellen is pictured on the driveway. With a with a horse, an anonymous horse. We don't know the horse's name. We don't know her relationship to the horse. It's a white horse. Yeah, it's a beautiful horse. Also, this is just the strongest opening photograph in the world. I I wish I knew more about Ellen Pompeo's interest in horses, where this horse lives. Did this horse just wander over? Did they hire the horse for, you know, the experience? Does she actually keep horses? It's really expensive to keep horses, especially if you're only there a couple weeks a year. Yeah. Um she can't, this can't be like a permanent resident of the grounds. I mean, that would just be a whole nother level. I mean, maybe it is. That's, that's true. But it seems strange to keep a horse for only a couple of weeks a year. I'm no expert on horses uh, or how to keep them, but that seems like a lot. Basically, what I know about keeping horses is from uh, Gilmore Girls when they open the inn and mm. they talk about how Cletus the horse is very right. expensive to keep but adds a lot of charm. Cletus so, and Desdemona. Yeah, exactly. Oh, right, Desdemona. Anyway. Okay. Um, photo number two? Yes. Oh, sorry, number three. Let's skip number two. Okay. I mean, it looks nice. Yeah, they very very high ceilings here, which um, I think also, like, is underestimated. I live in a guest home, and there are not high ceilings. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the kitchen is beautiful. It's, like, just stunning kitchen, and it's referred to in the article as, like, rather small, but it has, like, um, one of those, like, what are they called, like, butcher's, or was, what's the name of the sink, where it's, like, very deep. I can't recall, but it's like a deep... Oh, I know what you mean. But it's like I, a country house yes. um, sink or something like that. I forget what it's called. It's like lovely. It's like this beautiful marble um, countertops, like a full range stove. Like It's like seriously beautiful. I love this kitchen, all this white cabinetry. 
I don't know, like how big does your kitchen need to be in your in your third home anyway? Can I just side note? So I don't know whether this is an Aga stove, though it kind of looks like one. Mm-hmm. But over the weekend, I actually walked by an Aga store. Like mm. I, I have basically only read about Aga stoves in like British novels set in the 50s and 60s. And I walked by an actual Aga store. Do you know how much an Aga stove is selling for right now, Juliet? Guess. Like $5,000? $21,000. $21,000. Wow. Can I you bet, believe that? I don't believe Ellen Pompeo cooks. So that's just, I don't know what she's looking for. $21,000. Anyway, they were beautiful. I honestly, that's, an, that's insane. Uh, this kitchen is immaculate. I think, Juliet, the only reason... They might call it small is that there's not a huge amount of countertop space. That's true. And as far as we can see, there's also like not an island or a peninsula. Yeah. And those have become hallmarks of fancy kitchens. Uh, I don't really know why, though. Like, I I like a peninsula, but I actually don't like an island. Oh, I like sitting at an island. I like any place where you can, you know, pull a stool stool up and sit at the counter where someone else is cooking. Yeah. That's kind of one of the major upgrades in my LA life. That's true. You do have a good one. But that's a peninsula. I like that. Yeah. Well, yeah. But I would take oh. an island too. Anyway, this I would. This kitchen is spectacular. Yeah, it's, it's really great. It's amazing. And then my my favorite thing about this home is that the, she painted the walls dark, and like that's like a point of contention. It's supposed to be like that's like really risky that she did that because mm-hmm. it can make a small home seem smaller. Yes. And she's like, actually, it adds depth. And it's like, girl, it looks great. Just own it. We <laughs> don't really, care. It's also how- giant. It's a giant home, so you're fine. Yeah. yeah, I have to say, I'm usually not a fan of that. I think it looks great here. Yeah, uh, they've it, she did half the walls. It, there's a ton of light and it's kind of open to nature, so it doesn't feel as oppressive as that's what I hate is when it's just all kind of blood red or you know dark navy walls and there are no yeah. windows and you're just like I'm in some yeah. sort of I understand. brothel or whatever. I understand the way that these photos are presented. You can't get a really good feel for the full layout, and that's why I just feel like I'm being lied to about the square footage because. You just don't really understand. There's no, there's nothing that like indicates floor plan or like sense of direction. You know, there's the one photograph of the pool facing the house mm-hmm. that makes it seem, I don't want to say small, but cozy. Yeah, sure. It's I'm not sure it, sprawling. The pool I'm is sure spectacular, by the way. Yeah, the and the planners really nice. with the uh, flowers on either side. Well done, them. Totally. It's almost like um, looks like a small. I don't even. It's like a Cape Cod style house basically right like that's what that is the yeah a, the a-frames it's really nice i don't know I'm, I'm just really into it i'm just happy to know that my my the star of my favorite television show is living so well it is Even nice sh- to kind of see the fruits of 13 years of tv watching devotion you know because in a way julia yeah. like you contributed to this this is <laughs> partly you. your home because i've you- never stopped watching ellen yeah, that's what i'm saying i stopped like 10 seasons ago and that's fine I still have respect for it I check in from time to time but you this is the house that uh, Grey's Anatomy and Juliet Littman built is basically what I'm saying so congratulations you have thank you so much I really appreciate that Um, we're going to move on to another one of my favorite television shows but first let us tell you about our new podcast that The Ringer is launching next week Monday, June 5th, that's next Monday, The Ringer is launching Binge Mode, a podcast dedicated to re-watching and giving expert analysis on our favorite TV shows. For the next six weeks, our dear friends, The Ringer's Mallory Rubin and Jason Concepcion will deep will dive deep into HBO's Game of Thrones. And guys, I have watched them do the prep. They really went all in on this one. From theories to history to their best impersonations of Robert Baratheon, Watch along with our Thrones experts. The 10 first episodes of Binge Mode drop Monday, June 5th. 
which correspond to season one of Game of Thrones. Every Monday after, we'll release a new batch of 10 episodes leading up to the premiere of Game of Thrones season seven. So just some math, that's 60 episodes. You can subscribe to Binge Mode now on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something really exciting happened this week. <laughs> Carrie Russell got a, wa- a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Um, question for you before going further in this anecdote. Yes. Does Walk of Shame come after Walk of Fame? Like, is that specifically where it comes from? Oh, I don't know. Do you think that they're related? I mean, I suppose they rhyme. Um, yeah, they do rhyme. I just, I, I, I never really put it together until I've now said Walk of Fame like several times. And every time I want to say Walk of Shame. <laughs> yeah, I bet it does come after. Just kind of historically speaking. Yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, she got a star. And as a result, there was like a ceremony and she invited some friends. And like her two noted friends that were there were Amanda Foreman, who played Megan, her roommate on Felicity, and Scott Speedman, who played her, um, the love of her life on Felicity, Ben Covington, and also her ex-boyfriend. And also uh, just one of my favorite actors as a result of him playing Ben on Felicity. And it was so exciting. Oh, my God. Then they went on Jimmy Kimmel together. And um, they talked about what a bad boyfriend Scott Speedman was. And uh, Carrie Russell told a story about a hula hoop contest at J.J. Abrams' birthday party where Scott Speedman and Tom Cruise both participated. It was like Mission Impossible 3 era. Mm. I think that's the one she's in, right? Mission Impossible 3. Um, and it's just like hugely exciting. I just I have such a passion for Felicity that will never die that I I don't know. Like it just makes me bashful and it just makes me smile. And it I don't it just, it's just really great. And we talk a lot about this this uh, Scott versus Scott Foley versus Speedman. And yes, Foley is really undeniable at this point. So I was just really happy that Speedman had a moment, even if I I accept that Scott Foley has jumped ahead. But Noel will never be Ben. So there's that. I gotta say that Speedman was the real star of this for me. And yes. I. I am a noted and staunch Scott Foley supporter. I You're a Foley head. Actually, I have to admit, I am not caught up on this season of Scandal because that's gone off the rails a little bit. But I, I was watching through season six and am very much Team Jake. Uh, I think that he has aged incredibly well. It's yeah, really astonishing. And I got to say, like, visually speaking, I still think Scott Foley has the edge. But um, Scott Speedman was incredible. Incredibly charming in this interview. Really so carrying, charming. Carrying the whole segment. Um, and I couldn't tell whether that's because he is just that charismatic or whether he was just hogging the spotlight. Maybe you could uh, fill that in for me. I was also wondering if he was a little sauced up, perhaps, because I've watched a lot of um, Scott Speedman uh, footage in my day. And he's v- very rarely that open and like kind of like goofy in an interview. I really enjoyed it. So I, I think it might have been that he was loving the spotlight, but maybe he is just really charismatic. <laughs> Uh, he was very charming. He really was. Oh, my God. I just it was so exciting. Also, I feel like he has not aged as well, but he looked pretty good, which made me happy. Yeah. Yeah. He was still kind of. He had real Ben vibes. It he was kind of the ben first vibes. time that I had seen Ben vibes in a, you know, from him in a while. So Ben. And also, he was he was really funny. He's like, yeah, I do a Felicity reunion. I'd be on Lifetime in a second. Come on. <laughs> Who doesn't love that? <laughs> Nod to his own irrelevance. It's the best. And I appreciate Carrie Russell in the corner just kind of looking perplexed the whole time. And then when he mentions that they dated, she just freaks out. She doesn't actually freak out, but you can just kind of watch her try to maintain her facial expression while she's like, this is going off the rails so quickly. Yeah, Um, it was great. Good job by him. It's 20 years next year. How does that make you feel? 
Old. Mason's still very old. <laughs> Me too. Me I was like, too. I was like weeping when Felicity ended. Actually, first I wept at the at this episode that should have been the finale where he like um, meets her at med school in mm-hmm. Stanford. Mm-hmm. And then it comes back for the stupid five episodes of like alternate timeline, classic J.J. Abrams. Yeah. Um, and then at the second finale, I was just like such a mess. Yeah. Oh, what a great show. Loved it. Um, I don't really know if like teens of today would like it, though. I don't think it's aged very well. I don't really think any of that era of teen shows has aged very well. Yeah, Someone Dawson's Creek has aged yeah. really badly. I was about to say, I saw a clip of uh, Dawson's Creek on Twitter the other day. With I have no idea why. And I watched all three minutes of it, and I was embarrassed for my past self. Yeah. Um, that was really, really... It was very teen. It was just a pure teen show without any kind of appealing to adults, which has its merits. Uh, And we certainly appreciated them at the time. And I don't know whether teens today watch that stuff. I think they expect a little more. I think Ben would still play, but I don't think Pacey would. Really? Yeah. Pacey's so charming. Pacey's not threatening. I think Ben is almost too threatening. Oh, man. I don't know. I mean, I understand the appeal. I'm not trying to. <laughs> I'm not trying to like, argue that we need to redo Ben. I'm just saying that I think Pacey does have an appeal to a certain type of teen. Okay, I can accept that. at this point. I can accept that. I don't know. Um, it's time to DTR. Let's let's okay. get into it. Okay. Bre- breaking news today. Yes. Taylor Swift has a new boyfriend. Allegedly. I thought an, I thought that that was well. rumored last week, and oh, then there were photographs today that confirmed. Oh, I didn't even know about last. Yeah, week. Yeah, so I think my read on the situation is that they were uh, softening the ground last week, and then were staged the photograph today to kind of oh. ease her back in. Because I have wow. to assume it's what it's been six months, basically, since we last since the Kim tapes. No, it's been almost a year since the Kim tapes. Can you believe it's been almost a year since what? the Kim tapes? Yeah, what? no, I know. I think it's been more or less six months since she said anything publicly, maybe more, but except for the Zane song in 2016 and the uh, really vague and meaningless tweets about the election um, right. and other things, she has not been in the public eye. And so I have to assume that this is their strategy for slowly reintroducing her and I would also note that it's happening as the exact same time that Katy Perry is on a press tour for her new oh, album. interesting. Yeah. Oh, interesting, Amanda. So yes. the the man in question is 26-year-old Joe Alwyn who is British, right? Yes. He was in um Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk and um the Daily Mail selected a photo of him in which he looks 17. Um, and it's really creepy. <laughs> uh, I have to yeah. say that on a Google image search of him, he looks a lot like Taylor, and it's really weird. Really? Interesting. Okay. It's kind of like she's hmm. dating the male version of herself, in my opinion. Uh, and it's probably just because he has he's blonde and he has uh, very specific cheekbones or something. I'm not really mm. sure. Anyway, hmm. um, I don't know a lot about this person. I'm not really that interested. He looks pretty bland. He does look bland. A British accents are nice. Is this her thing now? Bland guys from England? I don't know. I think that I I, I guess this is, re- I mean, is this real? Is this real or is this well-timed XYZ? That's what you have to ask because she's kind of at the moment where she needs to start slowly easing back into the public eye in a low-key but sympathetic way so that she can finally release her single 
by September, I would guess, to then hit the December album, whatever. You right. also just have to notice that, so Katy Perry has a coming, album coming out, Lord has an album coming out, Time has an album coming out. Um, there's someone else I'm probably forgetting, but it's quite a moment for a... You know what this uh, says to me? It's yes. time to reboot Lil Affair and make it pop. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get them all together. Um, I like that you you correlated this to Katy Perry's press tour because Katy Perry's really been going after Taylor and just sort of been like begging her to like make a comment, which I would say is not flattering for Katy Perry, but it also is just sort of like puts the onus on Taylor Swift to weigh in on what's going on between them. Yes, it kind of, it paves a way for her to come back. It, I, there are some conspiracy theories I think on BuzzFeed that it's all staged. Mm. Which Do you I, buy that? More and more, yes. And Mm. it's maybe not staged, but I think they're both aware of the fact that the feud gets attention in a way that little else that they do now will. And, you know, on the one side, on the one hand, that's sexist and exhausting. And on the other hand, it's more fun when people fight than anything else, whether they're men or women or other. I don't mean physically fight. I mean, say mean things about each other in public. So it's not bad as a strategy. And... You know, I don't think that songs that Katy Perry has released are going particularly well. So she's got to do something. And I like I th- Swish Swish. You did? Yeah. Swish Swish Bish. I like it a lot. Um, I'm I'm okay. It's fine. So I watched Katy Perry's whole set from the um, BBC Radio 1 Big Weekend, which was last weekend. Yes. It's like they're kind of, it's sort of like the kickoff festival in the UK for okay. the summer festivals. Uh, I also watch Heim set. I, I had a really busy weekend, as you could tell. Um, <laughs> and um, she did Teenage Dream, but kind of like a, like a, like a house music remix of it. Ugh. And I, it's interesting. Like, from what I could tell, like this tour is going to be a lot more um, like um, she's paired back while the stuff around her is kind of like more psychedelic. It sort of seems like she's like in like her what is the Katy Perry's version of a psychedelic phase. Um, which will be interesting to watch unfold because usually it's so much like confection and like over the top props and um, racial appropriation. <laughs> and this just seems much more like K- Katy Perry's version of a disco face. It's I'm curious to watch this unfold even further. I also read a blind item about an unnamed pop star with a dramatic haircut who um, like had like a drunken situation go awry and then had to ask their hairdresser to fix it and like salvage it. And the impression I got was that it was about Katy Perry. But that is un- completely unconfirmed. That's just based on the blind item. Interesting. I'm curious to see how it all pans out. Um, between, I'm curious to see how Katy, album, Katy Perry's album is received. I'm curious to see how Lord's second album mm. is received. Because that one's coming very soon. And that's kind of, it's an interesting moment for. Not a lot of momentum. No, not at all. That one song and then it just kind of trailed off though can we talk briefly about the lord instagram comment that you found yes which is quite frankly the best thing that's happened on the internet yes you know that was my one thing so let's just transition oh shit i spoiled it for you no that's great no i'm glad you brought it up my one thing you put it in slack and i responded to it so deeply but i you did i didn't respond in slack because i was so late as you noticed i was traveling and then yeah you were on vacation so i thought maybe you missed it no i scrolled back and i really appreciated it go ahead juliet i didn't mean to save you though no you did it It was a seamless transition the one thing i can't stop thinking about is lord's comment on kiernan sheepka's instagram of her meal from squirrel in los angeles (laughs) 
Um, okay. Start. First of all, explain Kiernan Shipka's Instagram <laughs> relationship to Squirrel because that shit's out of control. Um, Kiernan Shipka played Sally Draper, in case you forget her first name. Uh, and now she's like a model or something. Or just, She's like, really hanging. pretty. Yeah. And, and like wears clothes really well. She I was on Feud. She was? Yeah. She was the oh. she was Susan Sarandon's daughter. Susan oh. Sarandon's ungrateful daughter. Oh, cool. That's great. Um, and she basically just does just Instagram pictures of her eating primarily at Squirrel. She's <laughs> it's, there all the time. It's very weird. Do you think that it's, she gets to cut the line or does she just have enough time to wait in line at Squirrel all the time? I don't know. She does. I bet she cuts the line. I mean, she she posted in April a picture of this meal, like a basically a poached egg on top of rice, which is very good, I will say. And she, the caption is, you never get old, do you? Like, it's just, I don't know. She has she gets the same thing there basically every time, and she just photographs it every time, too. Mm-hmm. She does. In December, she had it, and she said, my one and only. It's... I, just, I don't know. It's just her favorite meal, I guess. Can I be honest? I have the squirrel cookbook. I still have never been to the restaurant. Oh, you haven't? No, I have what? a I have a um a gift certificate. We could go. I appreciate that, but when are we gonna go? Because you well, have to wait have, in line for forever. You know me, I'm not a morning you, person. Yeah, if I say if you go before nine, it's not that bad. Yeah. I don't eat before <laughs> nine. It's far too early for me. But anyway. Okay. I think so, that's the problem, but you're right. Okay. So anyway, she take she took a picture. I mean, she uh went again a couple days ago. And she posted a picture of her meal. Do we know what meal it is? Um, I think it's like this like rice bowl thing they do. I forget what it's okay. called. Is it like the sorrel pesto one? Yes, exactly. It's okay. the sorrel pesto rice bowl <laughs> with an with a, um, egg on top. Right. So Lord commented on the picture. First she responded, laughing, crying emoji. And then the like aces emoji where you do like the circle and the three, you know? I, mm-hmm. I just, I just turned out to be like aces. like perfect. Yeah. Um, and that was probably in reference to the caption, which was um, Kiki saying, shaking things up in a self-aware twist and then follow-up comment from lord where she said how funny is chateau's carbon copy of this dish unreal unreal it's the most elite celebrity thing you could say so can we just we should break this down for people who are not so the chateau in question would be the chateau marmont chateau marmont the famed um hotel that's like known for privacy for celebrities it's a very nice hotel it's very fun i recommend going to lunch there if you want to spend 80 dollars on a squirrel bowl but uh it is very charming that said, how funny is Chateau's carbon copy of this dish, implying the familiarity with the Chateau and with their menu that you are regularly ordering their fake squirrel bowl is so elite and unself-aware, celeb- it, young celebrity comment. Seriously. I cannot believe it. It's also just like not what you expect from Lord. But now I'm like, yeah, of course I respect that from Lord. At first I was like, wow. I didn't. I, it was surprising, and now this is like her brand, which is like un, unaware celebrity, and it's. I love it. I just love it. It's incredible. It's just so LA as well. It's just ridiculous. I don't. I can't even. I don't have the words to express how perfect it is. It's the apex of celebrity culture. I'm. I'm kind of surprised because she. First of all, she literally made all her money off Royals, which is a song that right. is the antithesis of this. Um, but she's always kind of been like, hey, it's me with my zip cream on Twitter or whatever. Uh, and has been playing the down to earth. Yeah, not anymore. Ever since ever since she dumped her pedestrian boyfriend, she's just been <laughs> on a different plane. <laughs> you know what? Go live your life. You're young. You have a ton yeah. of money. Um, yeah. I am curious to see how it affects the album. I don't think it's going to go well for her. Uh, there's not a lot of um, green light with a good song and just like not a lot of momentum. Yeah, it's true. And also... If our whole staff of like 
um, not that young people liked it. I just feel like it can't it can't be that popular. <laughs> That's true. If, if we like something, you're screwed. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's true of basically everyone on this podcast except for Justin Bieber, I guess. Yeah. Um, okay, Amanda, what's your one thing? Okay, this is niche but ridiculous. Okay, so um, I was traveling this weekend and I was on an airplane, so I bought a copy of Vogue. Uh, it is Vogue's 100th anniversary, apparently, and so to celebrate, yeah. Wow. Okay. Or no, 125. I'm sorry. Yeah, Vogue's very old. Um, wow. Cool. So to celebrate, Julia, I swear to God, um, they had their own rose made. Like like a rose. Like a like a brand of rose. Like okay. you can order. They they kind of did the rose breeding or whatever, which they explain at length in Vogue magazine. Um, but so now there's a thing called the Vogue Rose, which oh you God. can buy, which I just I don't even know what to say. The article explaining how they came together and decided what a Vogue Rose should be is bonkers. And it's just kind of like a Vogue. It should be. What does it look like? What color is it? I mean, it's 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 pretty. I mean, it's a rose. Like, I, I don't know. Is it red? No, it's not. It is. Uh, kind of an orangish yellow. It's very pretty. The color is very pretty. And it's also, um, as I learned from this article, which I di- I apparently don't know a lot about roses, um, they're, they're, dis- they're discussing, there's a whole paragraph about what should a Vogue rose be, which it just is beyond parody. Um, but here's one thing. It should be an English rose, parentheses, the layered, heavily petaled variety favored in gardens rather than the quick-to-wilt things sold in grocery stores. So, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> It's so it's like a rose from the future. It's like a rose from the future. It's a very beautiful rose. They, they make this whole thing about it. And then they also do a photo shoot with the rose because it's Vogue, you know. And so I, I swear to God, in the bottom corner of the rose portrait, a full page rose portrait, there is a disclaimer that says uh, proceeds from this rose will go to Vogue. Oh my god! It's just like they're legit making money off a rose that they made for their anniversary. I can't believe it. I really congrats can't to it. them. That's that's peak commercial. It's peak something. It's um, peak Vogue. It's really peak Vogue. I couldn't believe it happened, and I needed to share. Amazing. So I'm happy for you and for Vogue. Uh, they are at least staying themselves, which you know it's hard to do. I guess. In Be true to yourself. I suppose. Unless you're Justin Bieber, in which change, in yes. which case change. Please learn Spanish and change. That's the moral of this week's episode of Jam Session. Yes. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks to Hotel Tonight. And a reminder to subscribe to Binge Mode. <laughs> 